0: Hello and welcome to Sustainapod, the youth-led podcast for the youth and anyone who's passionate about sustainability in Asia. My name is Paco. I'm the head of logistics here at Sustainapod, but also the host of this engineering series. So today I am joined by Professor Kenneth Leung. Good afternoon, Professor. Good afternoon. Hi. Professor Leung is the director of the State Key Laboratory of Marine Pollution, a key researcher in aquatic ecology and environmental toxicology in the Asia-Pacific region. In 2018, he was selected as one of the top 100 Asian scientists by Asian Scientist magazine. And today, as the chairman of the Land Tile Conservation Front's Adversary Committee, he leads the Hong Kong team in experimenting with ways to increase biodiversity by creating eco-engineered tiles. So to start off, Professor, what is an eco-shoreline? And what is the differences between a mangrove and a rocky shoreline?
1: When we talk about uh, eco engineering, means we integrate the principle of ecosystems and also the engineering technology together. Um, so we try to imitate the natural environment uh, to provide suitable habitats for the living organisms. In our situation, we target to larger and uh, facilitate the growth of marine life on artificial shoreline uh, in urban settings because of this uh, wave action and also flooding and erosion of the land uh, due to this uh, by the seafront uh, in hong kong uh, we are particularly prone to the wave action because uh, our environment surrounding by the sea so to counter such challenge we have to harden uh, the sea walls so that to protect our properties and also prevent, preventing flooding. However, those structures are very, very homogeneous, made of concrete or sometimes with uh, uh, granite stones. Uh, they are just 2D structure. Imagine uh, when the tide is low, the animal exposed to uh, uh, as the sunlight directly, then they have nowhere to hide then they will suffer from desiccation and also heat stress. Eventually, they die. Even though on and off, you will find marine life going on the surface of the seawall, but due to this heat stress, they disappear at the end.
0: I think about this as well, because when I started looking at seawalls, I just thought, oh wow, it's really good because it prevents erosion, as you said, and flooding and all that. Could you... Maybe like go into depth, like why the high temperatures make it so unsuitable for these marine species to live?
1: On the screen, I just showing the typical seawall uh, in Hong Kong, we have two different types. One is a vertical one, it's for boat parking morning, uh, so then uh, we allow uh, the boat can get closer to the land. That's why we make a vertical sea wall. And then the other one is with web sloping seawall, when there is an open water and not for boat parking, then we can extend the seawall using this structure made of big granite stone, or sometime maybe a structure made of a concrete and then numb them together as a sea defense. So, as I said before, you can't find much life on it due to the heat stress. Then I can show you another picture. This is a typical seawall. Then in a low tide, uh, midday in summer, then the temperature on the seawall can climb up over uh, 45 degrees Celsius, sometimes even up to 60 degrees Celsius. Now, on the contrary, if you go to the nearby Rocky shore, uh if you do a thermal imaging again, then you will see because there are indentation and also water holding and also different facet facing to different side of the sun. The temperature can be lowered by 15 degrees Celsius when we compare to the vertical seawall. So on the other side, there is a lateral shoreline picture. You can see on the vertical side of the rock, all these barnacles die because of heat stress. But on the contrary, you see at the bottom here, with a layer of water, all the mussels and the barnacles and other marine life go really well because of the lower temperature. What we yeah. can learn from this principle is essential if we want to revitalize marine life on artificial seawall.
0: Absolutely, and so for our audio listeners who can't see the image. Basically, there's a difference between flatland and lumped land and which one has higher temperatures. And so by creating these eco-engineering tiles, we can reduce the temperature from 45 degrees or over to 30 to 40 degrees, and that allows for mussels and other organisms to live.
1: We have to consider not just about water holding, but also uh, uh, sun shading, uh, or uh, we can make some quiffices and hose. For the animals to hide from their predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get closer to take some sample from the surface, we realize that they are plant, cyanobacteria, or blue-green algae. They actually are the major food for many marine life in the intertidal region. Many gastropod like snail and also the limpet, abalone, they all feed on this uh, layer of biofilm. Conventionally, uh, we use uh, concrete to make the structure. We often will put some metal bar, we call rebar, to put inside as a reinforcement. We will use the concrete with high pH between 12 to 13, uh, make it alkali to protect the rebar from corrosion. However, mm-hmm. the pH in the seawater is only 8, I want 8. Not many marine life will like to stay on the surface because of high pH. So the first way we have to modify is about the surface pH to lower it to closer to eight. Because of this action, we no longer able to use the metal as the reinforcement. Now we have to replace it with a gas fiber or even carbon fiber to strengthen the, the, the structure. After doing this modification on the pH and also on the reinforcement, then we can think about the features that allow the growth of the marine organism by providing shading and also the uh, water retention. Then this is uh, one of the tower we used before. Uh, Then we uh, have a tower with some widgets, uh, up to 5 cm widgets uh, to uh, to stand out from, from the tower. And then this, will, this cup, which is provide shading and also hiding places. And because the, the angle is still upward, it can retain a layer of water to cause marine life to go on with a cooler region. Uh, yes. When we do the study, we found that uh, this cup, a uh, very simple design, actually can reduce the temperature by 10 to 15 Celsius.
0: And like you said, using different materials instead of concrete and all those types to use, Carbon as alternatives and creating these bridges will definitely help make organisms uh, better, easier to live.
1: In. We try to avoid plastic because the plastic uh, after wear and tear will release the microplastic, which are harmful to marine life. So, uh, in our uh, actual design in Hong Kong, we also make use of waste from the, uh, the incinerator plant. After burning the waste, they will become ash. We use some of those ash as a, one of the substrate to make this a design. And then we also test whether they are safe for the environment as well. On top of it, we also add some dread sediment, which also we cut as waste. Uh, in this case, we can turn the waste into useful material. At the same time, we reduce the use of concrete, at the cement. You know, when we produce the cement, uh, we have to use lots of energy. So yeah. then uh, by reducing the amount of cement
0: being used, we can cut down the carbon footprint as well. So uh, Yeah, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask about, as like engineers and researchers, where we should draw the line between using a materials to help our own lives compared to protecting the environment. And like you said, waste we can actually reuse them for ways to protect our environment rather than just goes to waste. So I I see that there's a balance and would you agree that it's important to find that balance between maintaining our own lives and the environments of animals and protection?
1: Yes, uh, certainly, yes. Uh, We we can always strive for a balance between development and also environmental protection. Uh, So by recycling, the waste material, into something environmental friendly, this is uh, uh, really a double benefit to the society because we can reduce the waste at the same time, we produce something good for the environment.
0: Yeah, if you can see this image in front of us, it's one of the ridges and curves of one of the bioblocks. And so Professor, I was actually curious about this, like what inspired the design of this bioblock?
1: Uh, this one is designed by an Israel group called Econcrete Company. Uh, so this is called Armoring Unit. It can be used to replace those boulders uh, adopted in a, a web slope seawall. I just want to show you this diagram because uh, you can see those witches uh, in the design. Then you can see lots of animals living on it from algae to barnacles to uh, snails. But on top, there is a very smooth surface. You, you cannot see much line. So mm-hmm. this is a, a, just to illustrate that we need to know about this microhabitat uh, requirement for different marine life. Um, <clears throat> of course, the smooth surface is also essential. Uh, if they go with some algae, they can provide the food for the glacier like the. Uh, abalone or limpet, uh, mm. that type of organism. But uh, yeah. also, you can see much more life uh, if we build the uh, structure with ups and downs and some groove and also some uh, palms to retain water. As I saw you before, this can reduce the temperature. At the same time, the animal like to hide with something to back them up. So this kind of structure is also favorable to them.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure everyone can see how like important these things are to help retain our like just animals and connect them with the things that we're doing so to protect us but also to protect our animals. I think that's very important. I just want to go to stuff about you personally and talk about how you came to become a researcher. So you studied applied sciences, environmental science and technology at City University of Hong Kong. You received your bachelor in science at the University of Portsmouth masters back City CDU, doctors at University of Glasgow, and even relatively recently, a certificate in management and leadership in education at Harvard. I don't think our audience really has decided that they wanna spend that many years at university. So what was the motivating factor for you to engage in studying for so long?
1: I think it's mainly due to the curiosity I like to do science, enjoy doing science, uh, because uh, I like to ask questions. For instance, if we can imitate, create more environment for marine life, uh, we should see the improvement of biodiversity. Then once we have this question, we try to test this idea. Then we design those structures and then put it out for testing. And then Mm -hmm. turn out that is true. Then uh, I think that kind of feeling is uh, very satisfactory. And also we can produce something, uh, new knowledge for people to, to understand the nature better. We, I start from as, a, as someone like yeah. uh, you, <laughs> people and then uh, start with some small project uh, with a professor. And then turn out uh, I did it really well and also build up my uh, confidence in doing science. I learned the skills, how to operate different uh, instruments to get the answer. Uh, And then also learn how to dive and do the underwater survey when I was young. And then all this together, it motivated me to go further. Then I don't think uh, it was a tough time uh, when I was doing a master and a PhD, Actually, it was the most happiest time uh, of my life because it's a KFE. I just need to focus on research only. But now my life is uh, more chaotic because I have to uh, be an administrator. I have to teach. I have to look after my students, my research team. At the same time, I also need to serve the society well. Um, So... I mean, uh, when I was young, just focus on one thing, doing research, reading a lot of papers, really enjoyable. I still miss the time.
0: Yeah. And um, that's really important because I think most of our uh, listeners and viewers are like secondary school students. And coming up to this part where it's so stressful to find a university to go to, I think it's important to realize that it's more about the process. And for you, it was when you were doing researching and that you found that fun. So I guess it's while you're learning and everything, do you find the joy in each one of those points? Yeah,
1: I, I was a bit unfortunate when I was young. Uh, at that time, uh, in Hong Kong, there were only two universities. There were only limited places for university uh, admission. I couldn't enter the university, so I start my post-secondary study at the uh, Technical Institute, now called IVY in Hong Kong, just like uh, mm-hmm. BTEC in U- UK. After that, the diploma program, in actual fact, during that diploma program, I, I became a very a poetic learner and, uh, and, and then got my uh, very good result uh, during the study for the first time in my life at, at that time. Uh, I was the first in my class because I was motivated by the, the fact that the program was called a high uh, diploma in environmental studies, back at uh, pollution. Uh, so, in that program, I learned um, how to monitor pollution and how to control pollution. And everything I learned, uh, which are useful, uh, is useful to uh, tackle environmental problems. And then that motivated me to learn deeper and wider so that better equip myself to help the environment. That kind of motivation was amazing because in my secondary school life, I seldom take a book to read, but uh, during uh, this uh, period of time, when I realized that uh, I'm learning something useful and also important to the world, then actually uh, every night I will stay in the library and then uh, reading the book. And also I found that I developed a custom to pick up mistakes in books. Then I would tell my lecturer saying, <laughs> I found many mistakes in this book. Uh, it was amazing. Then, then the professor actually was quite, a, uh, I mean, say, surprised we have such a crazy student. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, that's a really good point because I think as secondary school students, it, we don't really think about the future that much or at least most of us so for you to say okay in secondary school i was like this but then in university i started reading and other things which are really good habits to develop i think that really shows that you can really change no matter what time and anyone in secondary school can become whoever they want to be as long as they put effort in on that note this is the final question that we ask all of our guests so What is one piece of advice that you would give to students that are striving to join your field in the future? Before saying that uh, sentence, I I would like to highlight the
1: point that you need to try um, more things as young people
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: then to identify your own interests. Once you identify your interests, you will find that you enjoy doing what you want to do and love what you do, uh, then this will make everything much easier when you go through the path. Um, For uh, people who are interested in environmental protection, wildlife conservation, I, I would encourage you to engage in some NGO work and then you can learn about what you can do for the future and also develop your passions in the field. For those who are interested in protecting uh, wildlife, they may become a vet or Mm -hmm. uh, become an ecologist. But uh, as a young age, I will encourage you to spend your weekend uh, not in front of your computer, just go outside (laughs) and uh, work work as a volunteer in some green group. It will really help to develop your mindset and your passion.
0: Absolutely. So once again, thank you, Professor Liu, for sharing all of your insights. You can find more about environment styles more at www.aquatictalks.com. So that's A-Q-U-A-T-I-C-E. A,
1: a, there is also a website uh, on the Eco Shoreline. You just oh, type yeah. ecoshoreline.org, then you can find the website, then you can
0: learn more about what we are doing. Absolutely. So that's two websites. It's ecoshortline.org and um, aquatictalks.com. If you're interested in joining the engineering sector, I also started a project called Short Reads, which is all about how the engineering is all around us. You can follow the project on Instagram at shortreads. That's S-H-O-R-T-R-E-E-D-S. This is Sustainapod. Thank you for listening.